broadcasting under the night sky from the edge of an undisclosed jungle on the Gulf of Mexico. I'm Christopher Garitano, your voice in the night. For the next hour, allow me to be your guide into the bizarre unknown, the fantastic macabre, and together we'll journey to that borderland between fiction and reality, a place beyond all rational explanation. We are now off to the witch. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to an impromptu episode of Off to the Witch. I'm doing what I can tonight. Florida is about to be slammed with a major hurricane, Hurricane Idalia. And they're saying it's going to be a Category 4, which I've heard rumors from these newscasters of 100 mile per hour winds. That means some serious damage, unfortunately. I'm currently in an evacuation area near the Gulf, but I'm not leaving. So it is just past midnight. I am here, and I don't know if you can hear that in the background, and you probably can't, but the wind is picking up, and so is the rain. So I figured I'd tell you some stories here and tell you about a few things. I usually use uh, my Wednesdays, which is tomorrow morning and afternoon, to finally uh, solidify the mix on our regular episodes, so I won't have that time if we lose power tonight, and I wanted to get something out to you. There's a couple of interesting things that are happening outside of this major hurricane that may or may not destroy a whole bunch of things. First, I want to start off by telling you a little story. Now, I've told this story before in other interviews, but I think I can lend it a more detail tonight because um, it was brought up as I said in the previous newsletter, a good friend of mine, and he's an alumni to Off to the Witch, Michael Porciello, uh, tragically passed away a couple of weeks ago. And um, so there were some old friends reaching out, um, people I used to spend every day with, but hadn't spoken to in a very long time. And uh, it just takes you back. You know, those friends you had uh, in high school or before, they were they were profound. They were really linked to you. I know they were to me. I mean, these were people I saw every day. They were like uh, brothers and sisters, you know. So um, I had it came back like a flood memories. And one of which is the most profound uh, paranormal experience that I've had so far in my life. And I've had a couple. And I had a couple in the field while making television shows. And, but this one was when I was 14 and the gentleman that contacted me, I was staying at his house and uh, he lived with his mother and his sister. And so we hung out all day and did normal things a 14 year old does. You know, we were out and about, we were always outside, always in the woods, hanging out, having a great time, listening to heavy metal, you know, watching horror films. And so we stayed at his house. And I believe there were about three of us sleeping on his floor and he slept on his bed. And I remember laying in his room and looking up at his ceiling and there were these green glow-in-the-dark stars. And I was just focusing on those as I was falling asleep. So I look at the ceiling and I'm looking at these little this illusion that these green glow-in-the-dark stars are creating. You know, everything else is registering as black and the stars are starting to feel like I'm really truly looking up at the cosmos and so I'm slowly fading away slowly fading off to sleep 
And then abruptly, I hear a whispering, a very loud whispering. The only way I can describe this whispering is that it was certainly being articulated, coming from a female, sounded like a young female. And it was, to me at the time, gibberish. I didn't understand it. And it could have been a language I wasn't familiar with. Um, I'm not multilingual, but I can recognize languages. And I know some of several different languages, but not enough to speak fluently. And at that time, I did not recognize any of the words that were being spoken. It was certainly being articulated by what I was hearing was a female, young female. But there was something in the air. And I'm sure a lot of you know that when you're having a paranormal experience, it's a completely different feeling. It sends shudders throughout your body. You, you, you have chills that are inexplicable. And I was having that. I knew this was something was off about this. But there was the, you know, at 14, with a head full of horror films, okay? I mean, like I, and ghost stories and science fiction. I mean, I was saturated in all of the above. And so, but this was different. I, I was so into ghost stories, horror films that surround haunted houses, but this particular experience annihilated the feeling I got from any film. It was completely different. I knew it was real. And I'm like, once again, I think a lot of you that have had a profound experience like this, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You know this is something different. And when it registers, that chill that you feel, it's, in, it's indescribable. So that's what I was feeling when I, almost immediately as soon as I started hearing it. Because at first, I suppose I tried to rationalize it and said, who's, who's speaking? Is his sister awake? I'm just not picking up on what she's saying. But this really blew me away. And um, so my first reaction was to, um, I was scared. I was trying to get the attention of the other guys in the room and they were fast asleep. So I started speaking out loud and trying to wake them up. And only one of them turned around and, you know, half asleep and said, go back to sleep. There's nobody speaking. So I continued to listen and I was scared. Um, you know, immediately I was processing this because I was familiar with many ghost stories that I am now in a haunted house and I'm listening to a ghost. But, you know, I was brave and curious and I wanted to find out what the source was. So I got up because I, I was too scared to just sit there and listen. I wanted to get up. I wanted to prove to myself that maybe I'm misreading this. Maybe I'm misunderstanding the source. So I got up. I walked into his hallway, looked into his sister's room, and now I'm creeping around this guy's house. And I looked into his sister's room and she's fast asleep. I was hoping that maybe I'd find her on the phone or something. Probably scare her. So then I walk downstairs and I'm looking to see if somebody left a radio on maybe, you know, uh, maybe it wasn't picking up on a channel. And then all of a sudden it picked up on something I couldn't really hear from the room. Nope, not a chance. Walked over to his mother's room. Same thing. She was fast asleep. And at that point, I started to become even more scared uh, because I really, truly registered it at that point, at least back then that I was in a haunted house and that this ghost knew I was awake, 
and was trying to communicate with me. Hearing about it and feeling it are two completely different things. I can do my best to try and describe how I felt, you know, the shudders going down my spine. Um, I wasn't in awe at that moment. It, it scared me because I was listening to something unknown. And, um, you know, we live in an age right now where everything on television is portrayed that it's just so simple that you can go to any haunted location and take your shirt off and scream at a ghost and, uh, you know, you'll get a reaction. That's not my reality. And I think it's, I think most people that um, approach a haunted location, that's not their reality either. You might pick up on an EVP, you might pick up on a reading, but it's somewhat rare to truly have an experience like this. And then I've heard from other people, it's like once or twice in their lifetime. Um, so, this continued, and I went back up to the room and, very scared, got into the covers that I was sleeping on, the blankets on the floor, and listened until eventually, you know, I, I was going to stay up until the sun came up, and I think just as dawn was setting in and the sky was starting to turn blue, I did fall asleep, and perhaps it faded away even at that point. Now, I didn't tell anybody about it the next day, and this kind of sparked my conversation because uh, my, my friend, you know, who I knew very well in high school, who had contacted me um, to talk about Michael, I brought this up because I always meant to ask him about it, to ask if he had had any experiences in that house. And it's funny that in all these years, I never really did. Uh, and he confirmed that he was having an experience in that house. I wonder why I didn't ask anybody back then. I think it really shook me. And perhaps maybe I was even questioning my own perception at the time. Um, I had never had an experience before that or after it except for the following night. And whatever this was, if this is possible, followed me. I was 14, living at my parents' house, and um, I heard it again the following night, only the following night. This time, I was still scared because I was like, well, what's happening here? Is this ever going to go away? Now I'm hearing it in a different location. How could it have been just a haunted house if I'm hearing it in a different location now? And I certainly wasn't, I wasn't questioning my sanity because this is not something that was happening all day. It only happened around the same time at night. But whatever this was followed me. Um, so I spent the rest of the night again listening, kind of scared, wishing it away, you know, like I, I'm done. What is this? What is this that I'm hearing? Fell asleep and I never heard it again. I never heard that sound again. I'm truly interested in hearing because uh, there's so many ghost stories in modern days being told, but... Um, I think what's important about these are how you react to them, how perceptive you are, especially when you're alone and these things occur. Um, I think it's important that we get to the texture of how you were truly feeling at that moment, perhaps things that had happened before. I wonder if, if there are things that are conducive, that are the perfect storm no pun intended, what's coming in behind me. 
Give me what I want and I'll go away. From Stephen King, the master of your worst fears, comes a high-voltage, spine-tingling shocker that's been called one of the best King films ever. You wouldn't think there was a big storm coming, would you? Trouble don't cross the reach, ain't that why we live here? Still, they say this one's gonna be something special. A small island off the coast of Maine is bracing for the storm of the century. Look at this. Now, if neither of the emergency shelter setup can handle 300 for three days. Look at there, the mainland. Can't even see the reach no more. At the heart of the storm is a source of evil that will change their lives forever. Storm in sin. Come on in. My God. That's all right, Robbie. She's waiting for you in hell. Who are you? Give me what I want, and I'll go away. What's your name? Andre Linoge. He was looking at him like a snake, looking at a bird. What are you doing, sir? You mind telling me? You have something to do with that? Give me what I want, and I'll go away. Refuse me, and I assure you, I can punish. We couldn't kill him. I don't think he's human. What could he possibly want? He's the devil! Don't let him near me. What do you want, Lenoge? That's right. Come on, Ralphie. Never. I don't think we have a choice. Discuss it. Then choose. that are conducive to a haunting. I spoke to a gentleman named Dr. Barry Taff. He was one of the main parapsychologists at UCLA in the early 70s. He was the lead investigator on the entity case, the Doris Beither case, which was famous, you know, written into a novel and then eventually a motion picture that was terrifying. I think one of his insights was that there are several things that are conducive. And that particular age, 14, uh, is one of the things. I think kids going through these hormonal changes, these physical changes, are, Barry believed, were one of the things that were quite conducive to a haunting. In fact, most of the active locations that he looked into, there were kids there ranging from much younger ages, but he felt the the most conducive age was 12 to 14. That was a very strong thing. I wonder why. And the th I think the next stage of ghost hunting should really uh, consider these things. I talk about this stuff in uh, my new documentary that's coming out, my new special, and it's the first episode in my new series. It's called A Haunting We Will Go. I've done just about everything that I have not seen uh, applied on a lot of the ghost shows. And, you know, some of their stuff is, is great and some of it isn't. 
And um, just as a viewer, you know, because I approach my documentaries as, a, as someone who wants to see something that isn't available. So I start writing that stuff and I start um, approaching my subjects in that way because I would like to see, I would love to see more shows that discuss, I suppose, the true quantum science, the true conductors that might lead to a haunting. And what is a haunting? You know, there was a gentleman named uh, Dr. Michael Persinger who devised several apparatuses and one giant thing called the haunt box. Now, he has since passed. And in my show, Strange World, in the very first episode, I used a device that he designed that was derived from his inventions, and it was called the God Helmet. It was a large amount of electromagnetic energy that would, that would bombard from this device the, uh, the prefrontal lobe in the mind. Now, he believed that geomagnetic and electromagnetic fields would affect the brain and would allow the phenomena of a haunting to occur. Now, when he was asked, okay, so are you saying that the electro... So, and this was Mary Roach who wrote a book called uh, Stiff. And she was actually, she wrote a, a sequel or an unofficial sequel to that book called Spook. And it was about the afterlife. Um, and so when she interviewed Persinger, she asked him, well, do you mean that the electromagnetic and geomagnetic waves are inspiring a hallucination? Or is it somehow opening up your perception? And his reaction was vague. Now, he was a serious scientist, and a lot of scientists in an academic level are funded and they're getting grants. There are certain things they just can't say that professors or scientists in that situation, they can't deviate from science. Even though their interest might be otherwise, they might be getting into deeper metaphysical meanings or ideas. I don't believe they're ever truly revealing their perspective, but if you read between the lines, you'll see it. In Persinger's case, I suspect that he truly believed in an afterlife and some other phenomena after death, other dimensional phenomena. And there's a lot of science to support this now. So you can say you don't believe in the afterlife, but you're actually offending uh, quantum sciences and ideas that that now we can say there's something that happens after death. We have enough evidence to support it. I just don't know what it was that I experienced. Was it contact from some other dimension? Was it the spirit of a deceased human being? I don't know. And I think those of us who will live, uh, are lucky enough to live going forward in the next half century, we might have some of those answers uh, through quantum sciences. And a lot of the things that will manifest along with that are going to be amazing. You know, I think um, with all of the dangers of artificial intelligence, it's also going to uh, hypothesize and solve so many different things within medical science and perhaps quantum sciences that we couldn't. In a hundred years, things that we can't figure out Artificial intelligence will figure out in moments. And then I also believe that we're going to be augmented. Our intelligence will increase and we'll be part bionic. And uh, those of us that choose to be, I suspect, 
And so we'll be able to perceive and decipher things that we weren't able to because of our limitations. And we'll probably unlock parts of our brain that we don't use. That's an exciting future, you know, because we've seen all of this in fiction and we've seen ghost stories in fiction. But I don't believe they're fiction. So a lot of these ideas, uh, not to give too much away, uh, are the core structure of a haunting we will go. And the following episode after that, I shift gears and go into a completely different subject matter. But my approach to the new series is certainly not conventional. I want to keep it interesting and exciting for every special that I make. Um, otherwise, I have no interest. I have no interest in repeating or mimicking what you're currently seeing done to death on television right now. I absolutely have zero interest. I think you have, you've had enough of it as an audience. You've had 20 years of it. It's over. It needs to end. So um, let's do something new. Let's do something fresh. And I look forward to, uh, to continue to bring those things to you. And I know a lot of my uh, friends out there that also uh, are making documentaries and making shows and writing. They have the same ambition and we're all different. You know, we're different artists. Um, but uh, it's an exciting time forthcoming. You know, perhaps a new golden age of, uh, of paranormal ideas, of fresh ideas, of fiction of creativity. You know, I want to believe that. There are definitely some uh, oppressive forces in the world, and they'd be happy to stop that. They'd be happy to stop our progress. And um, I think, and I've said this before, the greatest weapon you have is to continue. Any dream that you have, anything that you have going forward, you need to, pr you need to push for it. You need to fight for it all the time. Never give up on it. No matter how bleak this world gets, your light needs to shine brighter. And that's how I truly feel. So I would like to get this um, episode out to you uh, before the power goes out. <laughs> and um, that's why I did this instead of a uh, finalizing one of my new episodes. And the new episodes are fantastic. I had mentioned briefly last week, one of which is a um, UPS pilot. And he saw anomalies in the sky, which I'll probably incorporate into a trailer for the episode. I think this episode is going to be amazing, and um, I'm truly looking forward to uh, finalizing it and getting it out to you. So look for that in the coming weeks, and I have big plans for Off to the Witch. And the reason for our uh, newsletters every other week is because I'm busy working on all that stuff. So I look forward to bringing you a new episode next week. Um, we're probably going to lose power in a couple of hours, so I'm going to cut this short now while I can. So I can finish this uh, chapter. I'm going to say goodnight, and uh, hopefully this hurricane doesn't slam into uh, my house. So I wish you all a good night, and I will see you next time.